0: This edition of The Standard Podcast is brought to you by Iberostar Hotels and Resorts.
1: Hi, I'm John Weeks. And I'm Juliet Kinsman. Come away with us and learn something new about holidays that are both fun and a bit more sustainable.
0: Yes, this is the pod where we share with you the knowledge, ideas and tips to give you the best chance of booking a great breakaway that's also better for the planet
1: and the 8 billion people on it. Things like where to go when, how to spot if your hotel is doing the right things, and how your travel actually helps the world go around. Let's get into it. So, Juliet, which type of sustainable traveller are you? How do you mean, John? Well, Anna Hartz has come up with six types of eco-travellers in her article in The Standard. I've just been looking through... Which one are you?
0: I absolutely love this article. Everybody loves a stereotype. I'm going to say I actually have a toe in a few of those. I am somebody who's always cared about sustainability. But there are lots of things I do that perhaps aren't as eco as they could be.
1: That's it. And I'm looking at the list. I just want to sort of mix and match elements from the the different personalities she mentions. But let's go through them. Number one on Anna's list is the solo eco nomad, which makes me mad because I don't get it. What is the gist with that? What's a solo eco nomad?
0: Well, we know what digital nomads are, right? So we're picturing those people you know, plotting up with their laptop. Uh, there's lots of geo arbitrage going on. Do you know the concept of geo arbitrage? <laughs>
1: no, oh, I, got, I don't know those. how you pronounce that.
0: I, well, it's really it's it's a big trend at the moment. It's for when you are working somewhere based in a different country, but earning perhaps in the stronger currency back home. So if I was really smart, I'd go and live in Turkey as a freelancer, uh, be paid in pound sterling, and uh, be filing all my articles from a beautiful eco hotel over, over in a cheaper destination.
1: Right, so that's a solo eco nomad, someone who works abroad on their own and travels with their work.
0: That's basically it, yes. So, a digital nomad would typically go to places like Tulum or parts of Costa Rica, but the eco nomad's going to choose destinations that are really in amongst nature, maybe, and they're going to book a fair B and B instead of an Airbnb.
1: Okay, so let's say you're in a greener than thou family tribe. This is second on Anna's list. How do you know if that's your tribe? greener
0: than thou hey well they're definitely not going to be flying anywhere they're only going to be taking staycations probably anna suggests in their electric volkswagen id buzz camper or they'll be taking the train even better they might take their bikes with them to get around they're going to be wild camping off grid and probably booking through the likes of canopy and stars which is part of saw which is also a b corp
1: Okay, so this is the family who are perhaps a bit snobby about just how green they are. They've got the heat pump out the front. The kids are talking about Greta Thunberg like she's Pepper Pig, that kind of thing, right? Exactly. Okay, so I think I've got two of them down. The third one on Anna's list is the Virtue Signalers, AKA the Indie Kids. Something very different to what I initially imagined when I read these words. As a teenager growing up in the noughties, something. entirely different, I can imagine. What is a Virtue Signaler slash Indie Kid in the context of travel?
0: Well, I certainly didn't grow up in in, in the noughties. I'm not sure I have grown up. But um, <laughs> no, no, Indie Kids to me means my favorite bands, New Model Army and uh, New Order. No, so it means you're choosing independent brands and you're, you're, you know, showing off about your eco lifestyle. As we know, Virtue Signaling is when generally when when corporates say, they they shout about the good things they do, maybe to disguise some of the the less good things they do. But when it comes to the traveler, she means people who who are choosing brands that really um, allow them to reflect their values and show how they care about sustainability. They're the kind of travellers, you know, they're going to be showing where they're staying on their Instagram accounts, really showing off about it being a cool, sustainable or sustainable luxury hotel.
1: Now, the next one I honestly thought was a spelling mistake when I first read it. The B Corp, B leisure traveller. I thought it was pleasure traveller, so I apologise It's that.
0: pleasure, the word's pleasure. Oh,
1: pleasure, not be leisure. No, because okay, right. it's
0: like business mixed with pleasure job. Oh,
1: of pleasure, course.
0: Pleasure, or leisure, if you are American, maybe. <laughs> well,
1: what, what's that when it's at home? I'm really struggling with that. What's well, a B Corp?
0: Ev- well, a B Corp, let's talk about that. I mean, everybody, pleasure b- is just a portmanteau of uh, business and leisure. So it's mixing work with fun when you travel. So a few years ago, people didn't really know what B Corps were. They did in America. We're seeing a lot more companies trying to get this big B mark on their products. We'll see it in the supermarket. We'll see it on all sorts of businesses. And being B Corp means they've gone through a rigorous check on how their decisions are affecting their workers, customers, suppliers, community, and the environment. And they get a score out of 200 possible points. So Patagonia would be the poster brand for B Corps. As we know, they really scrutinise every aspect of their supply chain so that you know that, well, they're typically outdoor wear or luggage. That product's going to last longer and they've paid everyone properly.
1: Now, I think a lot of people who like to travel fancy themselves as an adventurer. I've certainly got a few friends who've climbed up Ben Nevis once and think they're an adventurer. This category is the altruistic adventurer. How does Anna categorize that one?
0: I always think about the word altruism a lot, actually. I did my well, a degree in social anthropology and I remember doing a big paper on actually there's no such thing as altruism because you're always doing it for some sort of self-satisfaction. But no, you could be an altruistic adventurer. You could be spending tons of money on a really fancy trip where you know that money is going straight into communities or going straight into nature conservation projects and doing loads of good, such as the Datai Langkawi in Malaysia or any of those fancy Seneva resorts in the mall. Or Thailand,
1: so that's people who fancy themselves as helping out as they holiday, right?
0: But they're not compromising on luxury. I don't think. I don't, John. I don't think we can afford being in this bracket.
1: (laughs) No, it doesn't sound like it for me. And the final one, which sounds to me like the most broad-ranging one, is the every little bit helps eco-curious traveller. In my head, even just the title, I think to myself, I must fit this category the best.
0: I think what's really interesting is more and more people are becoming aware, so they might not go all out green, but they are spending that little little bit longer researching who they're giving their money to. So they're ch- maybe choosing a hotel brand or a package holiday where they know their hosts have considered more.
1: Fantastic. So quite simple, that one. You're a bit sort of looking at what eco options are out there and trying to do the best you can, right?
0: As Anna mentions, you know, sky scanning, you're picking your flight, which is not so great when it comes to the environment. However, you're choosing the choices which have a little greener choices uh, mark. So that's better. And again, looking at what you're packing or taking with you. So it might be Wren Toiletries, which is owned by Unilever, um, or it might be those good old Vajra trainers. I always think Vajra is the, is the classic example.
1: So if you want to find out which is your tribe, you can find the article on the Standard website by Anna Hart. Now, Juliet, we talked a bit about B Corps earlier on, but I want to know a bit more about them. So we're currently joined all the way from Casablanca in Morocco by Zina Benchek, who is MD of Intrepid Travel, which is a B Corp. Zina, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Why was this status, this B Corp status, so important for Intrepid to secure?
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, B Corp is a certification that's given to ethical businesses. For us, it was very important for a business that's been around for more than 34 years. We believe we are one of the leaders in responsible travel. We needed really to have a way to prove that. And so that's why back in 2017, we entered the B Corp certification, which is a methodology that helps you to understand the impact of your business from all the different perspectives, it's not just about climate. It's about five different stakeholders. So one of them is climate and your environment footprint, which is very important. But it's also about the people that work for your business, the supply chain that depend on your business, and obviously also the governance. So how ethical your business operates, you know, from a tax perspective and, and all of these things. And finally from your customers. As a B Corp, we actually have to do right by our customers as well. And that's also one of the areas that we get audited and verified on when we become a B Corp.
1: That's it. And Juliet mentioned earlier, it's a logo appearing everywhere now. It's being shown off by a lot of new companies. You see it on some products at the supermarket as well these days. What should people make of it when they do see B Corp status anywhere?
2: I think it's a great way for customers to differentiate a business that is committed to do good. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect as businesses. It doesn't mean that we, we're done and we, we're the best. We actually are in an improvement, constant improvement process. We're not certified forever. When we get certified, we have to renew that certification three years later. And that, um, the whole process of renewal becomes harder and harder. So if a customer sees a Corp stamp in a supermarket or you know, and in, all in, in industries really are involved and have this these kind of, of companies with this certification. Really, they know that they're doing something that is good, that is better, but still not perfect. But it's good to support this type of businesses because at least they're committed to improvements.
1: And as you know, this episode is all about the different types of traveler that exist today. And I understand Intrepid is aimed at the conscious, curious and connected. If you had to describe a person, Zena, that fits that mould perfectly, who are they and what are they like?
2: Wow, it's a great question. <laughs> well, I think an intrepid traveller can be from uh, five years old up to above 80, you know, any kind of age. We've got adventures for, for everyone, for any age, any budget, for families, for solo travellers, for women only if they want. It can be anyone. And, and what we're seeing is that a lot of people want to get more of the travel. It's, you know, people would kind of saying, uh, been saying recently that people want to connect experiences versus things. And this is really something that talk to to the Intrepid customers and, and really is related on our trips and adventures.
1: Now, for the final part of this episode, we have another guest, someone at the heart of travel globally. It's Tracy Poggio, chair of Antor, an authority that represents tourism offices around the world. Tracy, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Tell us a bit about what you learn in your role, because I imagine you're at the heart of how countries around the world are dealing with sustainability.
3: Well, I, I think most of all, what I take from my fellow uh, members in the association is, is a real sort of opportunity to learn and grow. So, the knowledge that you gain from someone's experience in one area versus another is is invaluable, really, and especially when we talk about subjects like sustainability, because everyone is working so hard to to progress in these areas. To be able to share and learn from each other is an incredibly valuable tool.
0: So the question I would have is we're obviously looking lots at how suitable for different types of travellers destinations are. But are any qualities that all of the travellers, if they want to be sustainable,
3: no matter what level they're at, they might all share? Well, that's a good question, Juliet. And and what I would say is I think it's really important that we go back with an attitude to travel now of, of respect when we travel Outside of our own country, we are arriving as a guest in someone's home. And at a time when we look at the planet and we see that destinations are experiencing all sorts of climate issues that make them sort of difficult to travel to at times, we really have to look at um, the privilege it is to actually be able to visit them now.
1: And back in episode three, we spoke with Randy Durband from the GSTC about how travel firms can show travellers how sustainable they are. Is there anything that you guys at Antor are doing to help people choose good sustainable options?
3: Well, actually, I like that you've asked me that question, John, because something that we're working along with our members at the moment is to come up with a sort of people's charter, if you like, because I think that The destinations are all working extremely hard to make the destinations as friendly to the environment and the planet as possible. But we're all of us as individuals equally responsible when we travel or when we walk outside of our front doors of doing the right thing and I think that sometimes it's just that people aren't always aware of what that best choice would be so you know the sorts of things that we would like people to think about are you know um, if if you're traveling abroad take the option to walk where you can use um, local restaurants where the food is likely to be sourced locally I always think you you want to engage with the local community and I always say to my children if you're going abroad i want you to come back with 10 facts that you didn't know about that destination so whether it's their history the culture the people the food i mean these are all great things where you start to actually be an asset to that destination rather than we're just there to take from it
1: so that's episode four of our sustainable travel series next up we're asking the big one why we need to travel, looking at the pros of exploring the world to make you feel all lovely inside. We'll see you then. This episode of the Standard podcast was brought to you by Iberostar Hotels and Resorts.